Well, it's 6.31. Just thought you'd want to know that. Good to see you again this morning. Um, I just got to sleep last night. And, and I don't know, I don't know, this is pretty personal, but, you know, I wear this breathing machine. Anybody like that in here? Oh, man. We've we got to start having meetings, like AA meetings or something. I don't know. And so when, <laughs> so CPAP meetings, that's right. And when I get to sleep, if I'm awakened, I, it's hard to get back to sleep. So my daughter calls at about 11.30, 12 o'clock, needing to talk to her mom. And so I didn't get back to sleep for very long. So 5 o'clock came real early this morning for me. Don't know about you, but it is good to see you here. It's good to be here together. As we get ready to tee off for the tenth time, <clears throat> we'll just kind of wait here a second. You know, it's so important that everybody sign in. It's just so important, isn't it? <laughs> We've been doing this now for ten weeks. Um, some of you have been here Every week, I've missed one, and it's just amazing to me, and I appreciate your faithfulness. Um, 126 men have been here at least once. So um, what we're trying to do is touching a lot, of, a lot of people, and I've had a lot of wives tell me, thank you. <laughs> a lot of wives are praying for their husbands, and um, a lot of husbands are praying for wives. So I just thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, let's ask God to meet with us as we tee off this morning. <clears throat> the Lord, teach us to pray. Your disciples asked you to teach them to pray after they observed your... They were captivated by your prayer life, Jesus so, Lord, can you teach us to pray like that? To communicate with God just like that? And when your disciples ask you to teach them to pray, this is what you said, and, and we say it again this morning. Let's say this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> By now, I mean week 10, we should all know 
at least some things that are possible to do, some suggestions when we bow down and humble ourselves before the Lord in prayer. Uh, we've talked quite a bit about ideas or suggestions, if you will, on how to structure our prayer life. Um, some men that came to this prayer study starting ten weeks ago had already, already had a prayer structure, if I can call it that, and that's great, but some didn't. So hopefully all of us have an idea now of what to do, how to start and how to structure our prayer times with the Lord. Um, if, if, if you don't really have a handle on that yet, it's, you know, it's okay. Um, hang in there. In the coming weeks, um, I hope to, Lord willing, um, demonstrate or practice what we have learned before we finish our, our time together. And as we've said before, um, prayer simply is talking to God. I'm not sure why, why so many people that I run into struggle with the concept of prayer or how do I do it. It's simply talking to God. It's like sitting down and having a love conversation with a very close family member. It's, it's just talking out of the love and the overflow of my heart with God. We talked about this early on, that there's no wrong way to pray. <clears throat> just us talking to a loved one. So, uh, we're making progress. I appreciate the, the, uh, the things that you share with me, that God is teaching you, and, and that you've learned. I appreciate that. And, and we have a great privilege here of learning to pray and talk to the Almighty God, the Creator of everything that we know. Um, I want to know this morning if anyone has had an answer to prayer since we were here last that they'd like to share with us. This, this is an, a way of encouragement. This encourages us as we all learn to pray. I want to start with Mark. Last week, Mark, you called me, left a message on my machine. Right after our prayer time, you went home and called me. Share what happened. Let me just give you a microphone this morning. Answers to prayer. Think about something you need to share next. Once again, taken last Monday, uh, my daughter called me. Once again, she was in tears. Of course, this has been an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. My daughter also has a son that is uh, uh, that's uh, autistic, and so he's a you know he's a project 
full time. I don't, my daughter, I'm very proud of how she has such a deep walk and how she keeps going like she does. I'm just so proud of her. But she called me in tears and said, Daddy, I'm taking her to the emergency room again. She just keeps throwing up and uh, on herself at school and, you know, and uh, so she did not, and so she called me. So when I left here, I, I called Susie and said, I'm, I'm going to Toledo. That's where they live, by the way. And uh, um, I, drove, I drove down, and when I, when I walked in, um, she said, Dad, we've had an answer to prayer here. I should say following, following our meeting last week, I was sharing with Farrell about that situation, what was going on. And so right then, uh, Farrell and I just prayed for um, Jessica. And um, something happened. I just I just sensed God's presence. And as I drove, I, you know, Susie was whether I should go. And, and I, I said, no, I, I need to be there. And I just felt God's presence all the way there. And then, like I said, when I walked in, Heather said, Daddy, we've had a miracle here. And uh, I said, well, what, what's going on? And she said, because they can never time it right. The doctor's never there. You know, it's like the toothache that stops as soon as you walk into the dentist. You know, they just can't get the timing right. But the doctor was there, and as soon as she started going into a seizure, they're in, they're in her hospital bed that morning. The doctor was there and, you know, witnessed the entire thing. And they've got her wired up. And uh, uh, it's just, you know, she just... Made tremendous progress, and I said, "Well, let me." We prayed for you this morning, and she said, "I just sensed something was going on this morning." And Daddy, I believe we're, I believe we've made a major, you know, major stride this morning. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. She, she, she came home from the hospital yesterday, by the way. Jessica did. Yeah. 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 Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? The answer to prayer, Larry. Well, it's been a while, but uh, it took eight years to me to get back with my sister. And uh, she came over to the house about a month ago, and she said, uh, I know we seem to have wrongs and our rights and in between, but she said that she loved me again, and I'm back with her again. And like I said, it's been eight years. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked. And before she left, I got the biggest hug <laughs> uh, from her that I've been wanting to have for a long time. Amen. Good. Praise the Lord, Larry. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody else? Answer to prayer. Yeah, Jack. Uh,
Isn't that a great lead-in to our chapter today? That's good. Thank you for sharing. We move into a new section of the book called uh, The Beneficiaries. Who benefits from our prayers? Uh, Or or people that our prayers help? Um, The first beneficiary is is an unbeliever or unbelievers in general. Um, Do you make it a point, and I ask, I'm asking myself this too, do you make it a point to pray for people you know that don't know Christ? Is that something that is important to you, or at least on your radar screen? I pray for people that I know that don't know Christ. People at work, people in your neighborhood, um, people down at the grocery store, at the bank, or the gas station, people you interact with on a regular basis. The prayer for salvation of unbelievers was Paul's top priority. At least one of his top priorities that he prayed for quite often. When it, so, as I was reading through this book, I tried to remember when is the last time I helped someone come to Christ? Well, it was Sunday night, but it was, I don't, it was an easy thing. It was a young boy that, uh, was here Sunday night, and after the service came up to me and said, I'd, I'd like you to help me pray. So, you know, it's not like it was somebody out there, it was somebody in here. But really, when is the last time we helped someone in some way find Christ? If we are followers of God, that must be high on our radar screen, because we have the good news. We know the answers to the questions people are asking. I know sometimes we struggle with the questions. We have the same questions or similar questions, but but we know, don't we know, that God is the answer, that Jesus Christ is the answer to what the world's asking? Look at the top of page 163. Top of page 163, the last line of the first paragraph. If you haven't been catching... Any people lately, he was talking about fishing earlier, please realize that this is a matter of prayer. The beneficiaries, who benefits 
from your prayers and minds. It's people that don't know Christ. Excellent illustration this morning, Jack. And you're still praying for Barry. Amen. Um, on, a little further down on page 163, uh, most Christian follow, most Christ followers would rather talk about fishing for people than actually do it. And it's not difficult to understand why. Our, our people fishing often meets with little success. Paul explains that so few spiritually lost people respond to the gospel because Satan has blinded their eyes. They cannot see the truth about Christ. Only divine intervention can change this condition. That's why we've got to pray. Someone passed on to me an outline for this sort of intercession called the Three Open Prayer. It comes from Ron Hutchcraft's book, Called to Greatness. We pray for open doors, opportunities to engage in spiritual discussions. We pray for open mouths, boldness to speak up about Christ when the time comes. And we pray for open hearts, responsiveness to the good news we share. I have a friend that worked in South America. He was actually um, a regional director for mission work in South America. And he had working in his office a director of evangelism for the whole region. And this kind of a novel idea, the director of evangelism felt that if he was going to teach evangelism to the people of the region, then the people in the regional office should know how to do it too. (laughs) Isn't that good? And so he had this training session just for all the people in the regional office. And one of the things that came up in the prayer time, or the, 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 the preparation time, was the need to pray for lost people. And one of the techniques, if I can say that, that they used was the Evangicube. You ever heard of the Evangicube? It's, it's one of these things that it's really for children evangelism that you, you, um, you can tell the gospel story. You know the, um, the, the color, the, the wristband that have all the colors, you can tell the gospel it's similar to this, but it has pictures. So they were, they were taught how to use this and what to say and when to open it and all that. So the regional director, my friend, was after that meeting, he was on an airplane in South America flying you know, from one place to the next. And the economy class was full. So they came up to him and said, would you mind sitting in first class? That's happened to me a few times, and I've never turned it down yet. <clears throat> He said, sure. So he's, he's sitting in first class, playing with his cube, just kind of thinking about the training. And this guy was sitting across the aisle. He, he noticed that there was only two other people in the whole first class. And this guy, big, big, burly guy, was sitting across the aisle. And he was playing with it, wasn't paying attention. And all of a sudden, the guy says, what are you doing? What do you have over there? I don't know how to say that in Spanish, but I'm sure they were speaking Spanish. And he said, oh, this is just, just the thing. And he, and he went through this whole thing with this guy. See, they were praying for opportunities. He went through this whole thing with this guy, just this stranger on the plane. And when he got to the end, this great big burly guy started crying. And this great big burly guy jumped up and went up to the guy in the front of first class and, and talked to him. And this guy in first class, the front row, came back and sat next to him. It was Manuel Oriega's brother. Noriega, you know, the guy in Nicaragua, it was his brother. 
And he was, the reason that there was only three people in first class was because nobody, they didn't want anybody up there with this guy, Noriega. So this guy, the second in command in Nicaragua for years, sits down by him, and he's showing him this Evangicube, and he's all interested, and, and he really gets into it, and then the plane lands. Well, this brother of, of Noriega's brother did not accept the Lord, but the burly guy did. And then they go off the plane. Everybody waits until these guys get off the plane. But the plane sat there. The flight attendants were saying, everybody get off the plane. But this Noriega guy, he, didn't, he wasn't finished listening to the story yet. So they, the whole plane waited while they finished the whole story. And I'm just saying, it, it, it just, I often think about that when I think about praying for opportunities. God has called us to make a difference in this world and to bring people to Christ. And one of the things that we need to do is ask him to help us with open doors. Look at page 165. Page 165, toward the top of the page. It's Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Paul praying for an open door. Um, our, our author talks about um, opportunities, open doors that are spontaneous and planned. They happen both ways, spontaneous and planned. I, get, I think that we probably do better with planned, because spontaneous, I'm not sure we're, we're really ready for those all the time. So it's, it's good to have, a, have, have some kind of a response ready. Uh, look at the bottom of page six, uh, 166. And this sentence haunts me. The very last, paragraph, very last sentence on 166. Because I want the church that I lead to be reaching spiritually lost people, I am keenly aware that I myself must be a poster child for this mission. Sometimes it's easier for you to lead someone to Christ than, than it is for me. Did you, did you know that? Sometimes it's easier for you than it is for me. First of all, people expect me to say these kinds of things. Secondly, they, there's these, these barriers that are put up when, when they find out that I'm a pastor. But sometimes it's easier for you because you're just an ordinary guy out there rubbing shoulders. You're not paid to share the gospel. You're not paid to pray like me. Sometimes it's easier for you when a guy comes and works on your, on your bathroom. Father, I pray that you'd give us open doors. I thank you, Lord, for what Jack shared. I ask, Lord, that many, many, many more times we would have stories like that. And Lord, as we, as we look at this first part of open doors, praying for open doors... We ask, Lord, that you would answer in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. The next thing he talks about is open mouth. Insert foot. Open mouth. Page 168. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Pray also for me, Paul said. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly 
as I should. Lord, give me an open mouth. Give me something to say. Um, A little further down on 168. Often the best way to fuel such a conversation on what to say is with good questions. And the author mentioned a book, uh, this book by uh, Randy Newman, Questioning Evangelism. Very good. Very good for, for people that want to to, to do a better job or at least have a, some more ideas on how to share your faith, very good book. So what does it mean for you to grow spiritually, for example? You remember he talked about, if you read, when you read the chapter, he talked about this guy he met on an airplane, this big guy, and um, the guy just opened a big door, and he said, well, what does it mean for you to grow spiritually? I was on a plane one time, and I sat, sat down and happened to be next to this beautiful young lady. There's only one time in my life that I've ever sat next to a beautiful young lady. It's usually a big guy or a mother with a baby or something like that. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I was happy. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying I was sitting next to this beautiful young lady. And because she was beautiful, I tried not to talk to her because I didn't want anybody to think that you know I just was ignoring her. And um, she saw me reading a book, so she started up a conversation. Well, I found out that she was uh, a Mormon, and she was moving. See, I, I would always fly through Salt Lake City. My, my in-laws live in Boise, Idaho, so we'd always fly through Salt Lake City. So it's not unusual to be on a plane with a Mormon. So she's sitting there um, asking me about my book, and we're talking a little bit. And, and I said, well, well, where are you going? She said, well, I'm moving to Ohio. My husband and I are moving to Ohio. He's Catholic. I'm Mormon. And, um, you know, we're just moving. He, he got transferred. And we're going to be looking for a church. you know anything about churches in Ohio? I said, I know about a few. I know about a few. So we struck up this conversation about, about what it was all about to get involved in a church that both the husband and wife, that we can really worship in and bringing your children up in the Lord. We had a great conversation. Gave her my card and... Um, <clears throat> told her that I know a number of churches in, 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 the, in the Ohio region that if she's interested, be glad to talk to her about it. She never called me back, but it was interesting to me that somebody would walk through an open door that I didn't even know was there. And through that conversation, because she and her husband were struggling with should we be Mormons or Catholic or somewhere in between? And, and I thought to myself, how many people out there are like that? And when we pray for open doors and for, for something to say significant, God's going to answer that prayer. He's going to put people in your path and mine that desperately need to hear a word from the Lord. Um, let's see. What, <clears throat> what do we do? Now, this was an easy one, the, 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 this lady on the plane and this guy that he met on the plane. Those were pretty easy. He calls them, they lob, lobbed a softball up there to us. But what about difficult situations where you start conversations and the person is closed? Well, the, um, the first answer is pray, as Nan did, walking in another room and praying, Lord, give me something to say. Page 169 the bottom of the last, paragraph, last sentence of the first paragraph, pray like you understand that if God didn't intervene, things aren't going anywhere. A little further down, something else that has worked for me in opening up a spiritual conversation has been to say, I'll be praying for you about that. 
when someone shares a personal hardship with me. We talked about that before. Be willing to say, I'll be praying for you and just do it right on the spot there. How many times that opens doors? Um, let's see, page 170. There's a good quote over there. Middle of the page, the paragraph in the middle of the page. Um, let me read this section here. This is really good. What do you say once you initiate a spiritual conversation? You have two stories to tell, your story and his story. Your story recounts the journey of your relationship with Christ. There's usually a before summary of life before Christ, a point of decision account, what prompted you to turn from sin to the Savior, and an after description of the transformation in terms of character, relationships, and priorities that has occurred. If you begin to follow Christ at an early age, there may not be dramatic before and, and point of decision chapters in your story, but that's okay. Everyone has an after chapter. What does Christ mean to you today? What difference is he currently making in your life? It is worth rehearsing this part of the story out loud so that you will be ready to tell it well when the door opens. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you prepared to tell your story? When the opportunity comes to launch into it, don't forget to pray a silent, open-my-mouth Lord prayer. Your story should dovetail into his story. I love that. Open doors, open mouths. The last thing he talks about is an open heart. And only God can open the heart of the person that we're talking to. On page 175, <clears throat> as they entered various towns, about the middle of the page, they were to look for a man of peace, someone who would welcome their message to show them hospitality. If they didn't find a man of peace or someone with a heart prepared, or an open heart rather, they were to move on until they did. We pray every day for God to lead us to a person of peace or a person with an open heart. The last paragraph, learn to pray the three open prayer. Pray it with regularity. Ask God to open doors. Ask Him for an open mouth. Ask Him for an open heart. You may want to pray this prayer with particular people in mind. I particularly make up a new VIP list of spiritually lost people when I am befriending, that who I am befriending in the hopes of sharing Christ with them. I keep my list to just five names on a three by five inch card so that they'll receive focused prayer. And I update the card every once in a while to reflect those whom I've current, who I currently have the greatest potential for contact. Anybody have any specific uh, thoughts or, or uh, well, thoughts as you read through the chapter you want to share with us? Yes, Brother Jerry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that's a very good point. It is, it makes sense to know what you're going to say when the opportunity arises. Um, one, one good thing about writing out your testimony and reading it and learning, if you learn it, is because sometimes when we get an opportunity to witness to someone, there isn't that much time. And so you want to kind of get it. What are, what are the key points? That's a very good point. And, and that's one of the, one of the key points in evangelism class is to learn what you're going to say when, you, when God gives you the opportunity. Anyone else? It's not time for a movie. That reminds me on Iron Sharpens Iron, those of you that were here, you've seen that movie Fireproof? They had a 60-second summary of that movie. It was, it was hilarious. It was really good. I've got to get that. But that's right. Yes, somebody had their hand up here. Yes, Steve. Amen. Amen. You know, it seems like the church grew most and had the most impact on people in society when they were under the most pressure and people saw how they responded to it and were drawn to Christ because it just didn't make sense what the Christians were doing, how they were living. Good point. Anybody else? Yes, Jack. Right. I think another thing that was good about this chapter are, are the suggestions that he made about uh, books to read, resources, excellent stuff. Anybody else?
Very good, very good. You know, um, God wants you and me to make a difference in our world. God has placed us where we are right now, in where we are, where we work, where we go. He's placed us there. He's called us there to make an impact on people's lives. Now, sometimes that freaks us out. But what do we do? We pray. We ask God for open doors. We ask God for things to say. We ask God for open hearts. And we aren't called to save people. He is. He's the one that saves. We're the ones that are available for Him to use when He makes it all there, when He plans it out, and we walk into that situation many times unknowingly. We're just ready. We're just willing. And He is able. You know, when I read this chapter again this, this week, or um, as I was preparing for us, I thought about a guy that's connected to this church that is tough. He is really tough. And he, he's got a huge chip on his shoulder, on both shoulders. He doesn't want to talk to me. He doesn't want to talk to many, anybody, much of anybody from this church. And he's got this attitude that just wants me to say, okay. I'll leave you alone. But the Lord convicted me and said, how, how many times have you prayed for him? How many, how many times have you, have you thought, Lord, how can I reach him or someone? So I was convicted to pray for this guy, and, and that's why one of the, the, the things that I got from this this week, and I, I'm, I'm grateful. As we get in some groups, um, uh, three to four, no more than five, um, don't forget to say your name, but also, would you just um, share with each other someone that you're praying for that needs the Lord, and pray for those lost people that you know. Um, perhaps there's a burden that you want to share to the group, please do, and maybe a thanksgiving that you want to share. Um, I want to thank God th- today for the Sunday night service. If you weren't, weren't there... Um, you missed it. You missed it. So just gather around three or four or five guys and, and let's just pray to the Lord this morning.
it is my it is my prayer that that God would help us keep praying for the lost and put that on the front burner as we continue to be his men of faith, his men of prayer. <clears throat> Again, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, in the back of the chapter, there were some things that um, just like to point out to you, page 176, 177. Things to consider. Number three, make a list of five people. I don't know that it has to be five, even if it's one or two or three. But make a list of people who need Christ that you will begin to pray for. You know, that's, that's a first huge step. You're not making a list to go take your Bible and thump them on the head. You're just take, getting people that you know that don't know Christ and you just want to start praying for them. The first prayer is, Lord, would you lead me to the people? Who should I pray for, Lord? Who, who are people that I have influence in, with that I should pray for? That would be good if you would just take some, some time and think of that and pray through that. Lord, who should I pray for? Um, and then in, in number five, the second part of number five, this week look for an opportunity to tell a non-Christ follower that you will be praying about a concern that he or she has raised. We've talked about, talked about that before. Somebody shares a need. We pray for them right on the spot um, if, it, if, it, um, if, we're, if we're led to do that. And then number seven on 177, practice telling your own conversion story. Um, you know, I, that's kind of canned, but just think through, at least think through, what would I say? How would I give my testimony what God has done for me? Uh, it says, find a Christian friend who will listen to it and give you feedback. Um, and then pray for an opportunity and the boldness to share your story with someone who needs Christ. You know, the first few times that happens, it's real nerve-wracking. And the heart pumps and the, hopefully it continues to pump. Pounds, hot pounds, your palms get sweaty. Um, but the Lord works through that. And then number eight, find out if your church has an evangelism training seminar. Um, we, we did have, every, every semester, we had an um, evangelism program that we would bring people together. Normally five to seven people would come, and we would um, go through a seven-week training on how to share your faith. Um, Really, we've gotten away from that to the point that really what we need to do is have just, just know how to have specific on-purpose conversations with people that are directed to leading them to Christ. And in November, that we're gonna, I'm going to have a sermon series, you know, mark it down now, on how to share your faith uh, by conversation style. So I'm looking forward to that. Any other comments before we leave? upon a time, maybe a classmate or maybe in the military or whatever. And, and uh, I just had a jolt just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I have a cousin, a first cousin, who, who was a farmer. My uncle was a, was a farmer. His dad was a farmer. And uh, years ago, he and his wife separated, and he bought a semi and for, 
for years, that's all I've known. That his name is Rodney. He's been on the road uh, as a trucker. And uh, his sister called me and uh, said, I don't know what you know about Rodney. And I said, well, I don't know anything. She said, well, actually, Rodney's homeless. And I, I said, how did this happen? And she said, well, he, he's had some health problems. And uh, eventually he was not able to, to drive anymore. And he just has no place to go. He, he lost his family years ago, and he's she's, he's in Toledo in the rescue mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, she told him about his schedule. They walk to various places to eat meals throughout the day. And and uh, uh, she just called me just last week, and she said he's got some serious health problems. He's trying to make contact with family members. Mm-hmm. I said, sounds like he knows he doesn't have much time left. And she said, exactly. Yeah. She said, he can't come to us because he physically can't take the ride. And uh, yeah. God has put him on my heart. I've not seen him in years. I've heard descriptions of, you know, he looks like an animal, he's long hair, and, mm-hmm. you know, driving the semi, and, and uh, now he's homeless. Well, let's pray for Rodney and, and others. I'm going to go. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know when, but probably this, this week sometime. And I know what kind of reaction I'm going to get. Yeah. I don't want to go in. Lord, we pray for Rodney. We ask, Lord, you'd begin now to prepare his heart. I pray that you'd prepare Mark, help him to know what to say and what to do when he meets with Rodney. And, Lord, we just pray that you'd prepare all of us. Prepare our hearts and use us, Lord, when you need us. When we're in situations where there's people that we rub shoulders with that desperately need you, help us to be prepared with a word from you, Lord, a testimony of our story and yours together. And Lord, as even if, as we go out today, as we leave this place today, prepare us for what will happen today, the people that we'll come in contact with even today. Lord, We need you in so many areas, in so many ways, in all areas, in all of our lives. We need you. But we need you in this too, Lord, very powerfully. Would you work in us and through us to share our faith? You've done so much for us, Lord. We're so grateful for all that you've done for us. We love you. We worship you. We bow down before you. We humble ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, brothers.